0: Welcome to the audio podcast of Believer's House. We are a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church in the city of Halifax, Nova Scotia, called to lead people to Jesus, make them more like him, and see them lead others to him. We hope this message you're about to listen to inspires you to become more like Jesus in your thoughts, words, and actions. All right, let's, let's do it. Wherever we stop, like I said, wherever the time you know, hits us, we'll just stop there. All right. Um, we accompanied our son and his fiancee when they met with a priest to sign some pre-wedding ceremony papers. While filling out the form, our son read aloud a few questions. When he got to the last one, which read, Are you entering this marriage at your own? He looked over at his fiancee. She gave him a hard look and said, Put down yes. At a round table discussion, various religious that guy is not entering that marriage in his own freeway. At the roundtable discussion, various religious leaders try to answer the question, when does life begin? The Catholic priest said, life begins at conception. No, 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 said the Presbyterian minister. Life begins at birth. It's in between, said the Baptist. Life begins at 12 weeks when the fetus develops a functional heartbeat. I disagree with all of you, said the rabbi. Life begins when your last child leaves the house and takes the dog with him. That's the person that really knows when life begins. Okay, let me me say one more here. A man left Chicago for a vacation in Key West. His wife was on a business trip and planned to fly down to meet him the next day. When the man arrived in Florida, he emailed his wife to let her know he had arrived, but he mistyped her email address. Instead, his message went to the inbox of a woman whose husband has just passed away. When the grieving widow opened her email, She read the message, screamed, and passed out cold. The woman's daughter rushed into the room and found this note on the computer screen. My darling wife, I just checked in. Everything is prepared for your arrival tomorrow. Looking forward to being with you again, your loving husband. By the way, it is very hot down here. (laughs) Okay. if you did not pay attention from the beginning, you will not get that joke, but you will get it later. All right, so let's start out here. Um, the first question here, like I said, I arranged these questions that I'm, that I'm taking in the, um, some questions, some people sent me, and there was quite a lot of feedback, you know. The, the number of people who responded were, was much more than those that did not respond. You know, I, I told you that some members will respond, and visitors will not respond. So, like, 90% of the people responded, you know, and the questions were actually more than what I can share here. So, what I did was, some I just answered straight away. If you sent it to me directly, I answered straight away because some of them were very straightforward. But there are some other ones that I thought, okay, if we share this, it will benefit everybody. So, those are the ones that I'm going to tackle in that order. And then, if I don't get to the ones that I answered already, I've already answered them, okay? So, first one here, hello, sir. question from one of the series on marriage you preached. You mentioned marriage is not meant to make you happy, but to make you holy. While I got the point of holiness, this statement kind of makes it seem that happiness or joy is not essential in marriage. That as long as both of you keep getting better in terms of holiness, then it's okay. So, is this what you mean or I have misunderstood you? Very important question. Ephesians chapter number 5. Let's go. Let's just look straight at the word of God. Ephesians chapter number 5 from verse 25 to 26. We will read from the New Living Translation. It says for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy. Let me read that again. Husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. This is the purpose of marriage. You know, we don't look at Hollywood to know, and I understand this question. I'm not, you know, don't any question I answer, I'm not answering with, you know, saying you don't know what you are, you are talking about. That's not the idea. The idea is just so that we look at the word of God and explain these things better, okay? So, when we want to know the, the definition of something or the, the purpose of something, we go to the manufacturer. So we have to go back to the Word of God and see what exactly the purpose of marriage is. The purpose of marriage is Christ loved the church. That is the whole idea of marriage. The idea is God is using marriage to show us or to show the world, to show the devil, what the relationship between Christ and the church is. That's the reason why the devil is so mad at marriage. That's the reason why he's fighting marriage so hard. Because he's, he's, he sees it as an opportunity to discredit God. To say, look at what you are trying to do. You Christ and the church. Can you see? All of them are breaking up. 50% divorce rate. So that is what he is all about. So he knows what the purpose of marriage is. It's we that don't know. So the purpose is, Jesus gave up his life to make the church holy. In other words, anybody that is going into marriage, the first purpose is to be holy. That's the first purpose, to be holy and clean. Now, does it mean that we will not be happy in our marriage or we will not have joy? And I like the fact that you mentioned, you know, happy joy. Uh Because there are two different things. You know, when the world defines happy now, they're talking about euphoria. That excitement of boy meets girl and every minute you want to talk to them. That's what they're talking about. They're talking about, that's not what we Christians deal with. We don't, that is by the way. There is something else that is called joy. And you already know that joy is not a function of happenings. Uh Happiness is a result of things that are happening, but joy is something different. So here is where we're going to start from. You see, there's no way that you will get into a marriage that is making you holy every day, and you will not be happy. There is no way. Holiness is the goal, but it comes before happiness. It is not instead of happiness. And this is where what I want to clarify. So we're not saying that you are supposed to be holy instead of being happy. No, we are saying that the priority is holiness. Because when you focus on holiness, there is no way you will not be happy. The difference between us and the world is how we pursue this happiness. That's the difference between us and the world. The route through which we get to happiness is holiness. We are not pursuing happiness as as an end in itself, right? We are going after holiness because we know that if we pursue holiness, it will eventually lead to happiness. Holiness eventually leads to happiness, which is what everyone is looking for. We are not happy when we are fasting, for example. We are not happy. But the truth of the matter is that it produces fruits in our lives that eventually makes us happy. Do you understand what I'm saying? So if you are praying now that God, you know, you are trusting God for something and you are praying. While you are praying, you are not enjoying the prayer. Prayer is not something that you you just want to do. Like it's not, I mean, I remember during this week, I was praying and, you know, when I pray, I'm just, I don't know. Let me just share this one. This will also help somebody. When I'm praying, especially when I'm praying by myself and I'm in in this space and I come to pray in the midweek. Uh, I wait, I don't, I don't set a time limit on myself. That's right. If I'm leaving home around 6 o'clock, I'll tell my wife, don't expect me until maybe 10. Uh-huh. Because I know that the prayer might, <laughs> it depends on how it goes. So sometimes I wait until I get to the point that I'm flowing. So sometimes this week, it took me 1 hour, 20 minutes to get to the point where I felt like, okay, now I'm really praying. Now I'm enjoying my prayer. That's not the time to stop. That's the time for you to actually start your prayer. You know, but we, we, is that point that we will look at the time and say, Ah, one hour, oh boy, I'm a big man of God, I've tried. <laughs> so, you pack your bag and go home, but that's when you're actually enjoying it. So, it's the same thing you start from holiness and then it breaks through into something called happiness. Then, you will see that all of the things that you have been working on, for instance, when you forgive your, your spouse, you know, your, your spouse does something to you that is really bad. Let's say your spouse even cheated, and the Bible already gave you a leeway out to so say, If your, your spouse uh, sexual immorality, divorce them. But you choose to forgive. In spite of that, you choose to forgive. That is difficult. That's not easy. It is very difficult. But if you do that, what do you think will eventually become the result in your marriage? It's happiness now. If you keep forgiving each other, you keep, you keep know, you keep looking out for each other, eventually you guys are going to be happy. But the first goal is you are living with somebody that, you know, has their own different agenda in life, their own different hopes, aspirations. You, two of you are coming together. The purpose is for you to become holy and to become clean. When, you're, when you're, your spouse starts pointing out areas in your life that you need to work on, those things are not nice because marriage is supposed to be like a mirror that will be put in front of you. If you are living by yourself, I mean, when I was by myself, there were habits that I was doing that I did not know that are not good for a human being. I used to eat bread. You know what I used to do? I would go to Sweet Sensation. It was a fast food restaurant in Nigeria on the street that I was living on. Because it was very close to my house. I would go there. I would order all the stew of... There's a particular kind of rice in Nigeria that we call ofada rice. They sell it with stew separately. So I would order the rice, right? But I would now order more stew. The goal is the stew, it's not the rice. I'm looking for the stew. So I would order the rice. <laughs> I will now order like stew, like, like 12. <laughs> So I'll carry all the steel. I'll put it inside the fridge, right? I'll put it inside the fridge like that. I will buy bread, like loaves of bread. I will store them up. So every day, that's what I used to eat. Every day, bread and steel, bread and steel. If, if I'm tired of the bread, I'll eat noodles. But I didn't know that, you know, that's not, the, that's not a way of life. I did not understand it until I got married. It was when I got married and my wife started making proper food. And I now look, I say, ah, so there's something like this <laughs> that a man can eat, you know? But I also, sometimes I will eat my stew cold. Cold, straight from the fridge. Directly from the fridge. Because I don't have time to be warming anything. I'll just eat it. <laughs> now, I can't even eat food that is cold. Even if it's not properly hot, I'll be complaining that, why is it not hot? Like, I'll put it back inside the microwave. And that was me that used to eat food straight from the, from the fridge. So marriage is supposed to put a mirror in front of your face and show you your real character. So when your spouse starts pointing things out, it's not because they don't like you. That's the goal of marriage. To make you a better person. You might be somebody that used to stay up all night. See, then, then, if I have any free time, because I was an entrepreneur, I didn't have any boss to report to. I used to work for myself. So Friday night, there's no vigil in church or anything. I'm playing FIFA. FIFA is what I'm playing. I will play FIFA from the night to the next morning. Somebody understands what I'm talking about at the back. I will play the FIFA from night to the next morning. I, and, you know, and you don't know that that's irresponsible. You don't know. <laughs> Because you don't have kids, you don't have any wife, you don't have anybody, you don't know. But when you get married, and you now sit down, and you are playing the FIFA, something inside you will be telling you that, ah, this thing you are doing, sir, it's not responsible. It's, your wife will pass, and she will look at you like this and say, are you, are you going to bed? That's when you will know that, ah, I should not be playing FIFA all night. <laughs> I should go to bed, you know. So little, little things like that, you start making adjustments, you start making changes, all right, because it's a mirror. A good marriage is supposed to be Transformative. A good marriage is supposed to be transformative. You cannot go into marriage and nothing is changing about you. This is the challenge. When, when that mirror now comes to people's faces, they look at it and say, ah, I don't like what I'm seeing in this mirror. Instead of adjusting to the image that they are seeing and correcting it, they break the mirror. Say, I'm going to look for another mirror. I don't like this mirror. This mirror is showing me too many bad things. <laughs> they'll break it. Then they'll, they'll go and look for another mirror, right? And they'll start all over again. But you will not, it, will not, it will not change you. You will not become better. You will just be moving from one person to the other. And at the beginning, there will be that excitement. There's always excitement at the beginning of any relationship. It's a normal thing. It's not, it doesn't make your relationship special. Everybody experiences that. When you first meet somebody and you're getting to know them, it's exciting. It's normal. <laughs> There's no, it's, and, and that's not a sin, but it's, it's just what it is. So don't, don't get hung up on that. And get back into... So let me recommend a few books for you here at this point, okay? If you're, you're married in the house or you're online, you have never read any of these books. You have to read them, okay? The first one is Sacred Marriage. It's by Gary Thomas. Sacred Marriage by Gary Thomas. You need to read that. When you finish reading that, read Cherish. It's also by Gary Thomas. But don't read Cherish before Sacred Marriage, okay? Sacred Marriage is the foundation of all of these things. Uh, the, the, in fact, the top title is What If Marriage... Is supposed to what if marriage is supposed to make us holy more than it's supposed to make us happy? That's the subtitle. So that's what the whole book is about, sacred marriage. It will change your perception of marriage completely. And then you can read Cherish, which is now the one where it builds on it to talk about how to cherish your partner and the steps that you can take. Okay. So let's move on now. I'll, there's another question about marriage, but about relationship, but I'll answer that third. I will take this one because this one is a different subject matter, okay? So we we'll touch on something else. Um, Sir, so how, how do you draw the balance between your reality and speaking in faith? This is from the teaching about the crippled man that said, I have no man to put me in the pool. Okay? So this one, let's use Romans chapter number 4 and let me show you here. Romans chapter 4 from verse 16 to verse 18. Romans 4 16 to 18, says, Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him who believed, God, who gives life to the dead, and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So he's telling us how God operates. God gives life to the dead by calling things that, that are not as though they are. He calls things that don't exist as if they are. That is the way God operates. That is, that is God's, uh, if you like, modus operandi who contrary to hope, in hope believed, talking about Abraham, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. So let's, let's leave that um, God's mode of operation there. Verse 17, please help me put it back to verse 17. That is God's mode of operation. It says, God calls those things that be not as though they were. And I know like a lot of you understand this, but this is, like I said, it's just an opportunity to teach it more and to clarify. You see, in our operation of faith... There is the difference between the truth and the fact. The things that you see in your environment, um, you know, how your circumstances are, all of those things are facts. We don't deny the facts because facts exist. When you look around you, you will see, you might be confessing, I have more than enough to meet every need. But when you want to give offering and you look at your account, you say, I don't have more than enough to meet every need. Uh Because that's the reality that you are seeing, but that is the fact. But there is something else That is called the truth. Please don't ever forget this. Your fact is not your your most important reality. The truth is your most important reality. And the only place you will find the truth is in the word. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The word is Jesus. That is where you find truth so as you look into your bank account and you see you don't have more than enough you need to go into the word and look at it and see that you have more than enough and make sure that that is what is coming out of your mouth because this is how God operates when God saw the darkness God did not say darkness go away the darkness was there it was a reality the darkness was a fact but God did not interact with the fact he spoke the truth on top of the fact he superimposed the truth of what he wanted to see which was light and he said let there be light and the bible says there was light every time you speak the truth over the fact you are aligning yourself with god and that is exactly what is going to happen because it is the spiritual realm that controls the natural realm let me tell you the truth as you are sitting down like this in this room as you are here everything that you are desiring in your heart that god has put in your heart whether it's a fine house it's a better car it's a better job there's nothing that you are desiring in your heart that God has not already given you I showed you that scripture that God has already blessed you with all spiritual blessings but they are in heavenly places the challenge is your spiritual reality is more important than your reality on the natural realm so when you look around you and you see you know I don't have a good job you need to understand that that job that you are looking for God has already provided it for you It is a reality. The the reality of the spirit realm is more important than the one you are seeing. So your job now is to use your words, to align yourself with the reality that is above so that you can bring that down on the earth. That's why Jesus said "Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in heaven, there is no lack. In heaven, there's no sickness. There's no poverty in heaven. So whenever you look around you and you see poverty, you see lack. your job is to align yourself with heaven's reality and say, I'm aligning myself with the reality that God has already made provision for. And how do you see that? By the word. That's where you see it. You see it inside the scriptures and you quote that. See, as your, as your pastor me, I have my own, my own challenges too. Like I face, every time I come to the room like this and I come here, what I see, in the natural does not align with what I know that God has already said it does not align with what I know that the reality that I have seen that God has already shown me my job is every time I come back here during the week or or after service on Sunday my job is to go back to the scripture I still did it this week so it's not something that I don't do I still did this, and I will go back to the scripture. One of the most important scriptures that I use, that God gave to me, is in Isaiah. Let me just show you, so that you see a practical example of what I'm talking about. Go to Isaiah 49. It's not in the slides, but you have to turn your Bible there. Okay, I didn't plan to share this with you, but it will help you, because it, this one is very practical. Now, this scripture that I'm about to show you, one, of, one day I was, I was in our former church... You guys will, will know this. I was, we're having Bible study. This was a period where God had already told me that we we're supposed to move to Halifax. And I was having this, this thing in my heart where I was telling God that I like what I'm doing. These teenagers that I'm with, I like them. I want to be with them until they become young adults, until we, we, we grow together. That, that is what I want. That's, that was my heart desire. And I was telling God, I don't want to leave this place. Why are you telling me to leave here? And I was in Bible study sitting down. And one day, you know, during the Bible study, God just said to me, he said, go to the children's room, I want to talk to you. Because so he was trying to talk to me in the Bible study, but I was paying attention. So he said, leave here, go into the children's room, I want to speak to you. So I, I, I left as if I was going to the washroom, and I turned right, and I went to the children's room. You, you understand the description of what I'm saying? So I went into the children's room. As I entered the children's room, I saw a Bible on the window inside the children's, uh, the children's department, and he said, go pick up that Bible. And I opened the Bible, and the first scripture that my eyes fell on was this. is in, in verse 20. He says, Isaiah 49 verse 20, he says, The children you will have, after you have lost the others, will say again in your ears, This place is too small for me. Give me a place where I may dwell. So I saw this scripture and I said, (laughs) You know, I just love This is one of the scriptures you will see and you will just love that God now for you. (laughs) What is this? (laughs) You know? So this is one of the the scriptures that God gave me as a promise that, that tells me that a time is coming When the people that will be here are going to say, this place is too small for us. Let's move to another place. Ah, this place is too small. So when I come here, even though my reality is that there are a few empty chairs, I go back home and I look at this scripture and I say, this is the reality. What I saw during the anniversary is our minimum requirement. That's our minimum. So God used that to give me a picture that I'm saying to myself, that is multiplied by two. And I call out the numbers. I'm not, this is not a joke, this is work that you do. I will be pacing the floor and I'll be calling out the numbers. I call forth the first so-and-so number of members of this church. Wherever you are in the world, the Lord is leading you here. Why? Based on this scripture. It's not a wishful thinking. Uh-huh. It's not something that you just be saying, oh God, I have a new job. What is the title deed for your new job? It has to be in the word. You have to go into the scripture and find the, the title deed. And there are so many other scriptures I can show you. Isaiah 42 is one of them. It's an entire chapter. Sometimes I'm reading the entire chapter of Isaiah 42. Just reading it out to myself. To reassure myself that I did not send myself on this assignment. God sent me. So that is practical. Uh You do that. But you can come back on the next Sunday. In fact, the Sunday before, maybe 30 people came to church. Then you carry it. And you declare during the week. Declare, declare, declare. Then you come back. And 10 o'clock, nobody has come. You know, that's how the devil is. You have to understand that you are in a battle. You know, it's not a joke. You are in a battle for the souls of men. So it's the same thing with you. You know, in your life, you might be believing God and say, I have more than enough to meet every need, to pay every debt. Uh, then, then you give your tithe First time in your life, you give tithes. Uh, and then, at the end of the month, the check for your car payment bounces. Because you gave tight. (laughs) The devil is working on you. Your job is to go into the word of God and find the scripture that guarantees you that there is abundance in God. And you stay with that. So no matter what the reality is like on the outside, right? Where you're you're looking at things outside and it looks as if, ah, God, when would this ever happen? You you stay with what God told you. Let me show you that scripture again in in the message translation. This is is good in, in message. Message translation. It says, Please help me with this. is a lot. So as I read it, just move it on. It says, Isn't that what we've always read in scripture? God saying to Abraham, I set you up as father of many peoples. Abraham was first named father and then became a father because he dared to trust God to do what only God could do. Which is raise the dead to life with a word. Make something out of nothing. When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. And so, he was made father of a multitude of people. God himself said to him, you are going to have a big family, Abraham. So we don't deny the facts, but we speak the truth because God did not de- deny the facts. This is the fight of faith. When situations around you seem completely different from what God has said to you, you continue to fight the good fight of faith. So this leads me to the next question, all right? Because they are kind of related. I hope that helped you. Let's just see if we can take one more question in the time we have. This one says, I, Uncle Sheon, so what happens when you receive a word regarding marriage specifically about a person and it just seems like things are actively working against the word. Years have passed and nothing is moving in that direction. Please pay attention to this question. It's very important. The person you receive this word about is not even interested, so to speak. Now, this is about marriage specifically. So you receive a word regarding marriage um, and it just seems like nothing is, you know, nothing is moving. Everything is working against that word. After a while, you start to feel weary and start to pray for God to release you to meet other people and just move on completely. I kind of already know the answer you are going to give. <laughs> and to say it is already in the word. But with everything that is going on with me, it's so difficult to dedicate time to do the needful. You see, what I just explained to you now is the needful. So you're saying here that it's so hard to dedicate the time, or this person, whether I don't know if it's the man or woman, to, to dedicate time to do the needful. To sum it up, my question is, can God replace a word regarding marriage with another word? Or can God release you from an instruction like this? Now, you see, when it comes to marriage... Everything I've said right now about you confessing the word of God, doing all of that, is very, very important. But you see, when it comes to the subject of marriage, it takes three, three people, right? When it comes to marriage, three people. Marriage is not something that God will superimpose his will, right? On top of your own will. God doesn't do that. He does not do that. So when God gives you a word concerning marriage, it doesn't mean that that word is not correct. It doesn't mean that it was not God that spoke to you. But God will not override the will of the person that is involved in that decision. So if God tells me that, for instance, for us, when, I must I, I, so have shared this with you guys before, when God told me that I was going to marry Docker, he said to me, God told me that I should, I should, you know, then I was in, it's a long story, let me not even get into it, but this is the, the point that I want to drive home, is that when God told me that I should get close to Docker, she was going to be my wife, blah, 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 I went and I told her, the first day that I was ever going to speak to her was, will you marry me? There was no dating, no long distance, nothing. No long story at all. Are you going to marry me? And of course, you know what the answer is because she was not my mate. Even in age, she's not my mate. In spiritual things, she was not my mate then. I was in the church that the mother church planted. They sent me there. I was the teen's pastor. They were in the senior church, right? She was a Sunday school teacher. I me, mean, I was just coming up. So it was like, you and me, how? <laughs> From where? <laughs> so she said, no. No, straight away to my face. say, said, ah, will I marry you? No, I won't marry you. Why will I marry you? So, I went to God. I said, I've told her what, because halfway in my mind, I did not even want to marry her. So, I told her, I said, you see, oh, she said no. So, leave me alone. Let me live my life. Because there was one girl I was looking at in the, in the church. Uh, this is the one that I want. So, this one I was saying that, I don't want, this one is the one that I want. So, she went and she prayed her, her own prayer, right? But this is what I'm saying. You see, when God tells you that this is the person, it's not all the time that God does things like that. He does it for people that he has a call over. I've noticed that it for people that there is a, there's a specific assignment for the union. So God is very deliberate when it comes to those people. For other people, he might allow you to just choose from the entire family of believers. Right? There's no big deal in that. So it doesn't mean that if God did not tell you, you are not spiritual enough. That's not what we are saying. Uh-huh. It's just that there are some people that God is very particular. It's later in life, you will start realizing why he did what he did. Uh-huh. So I, I, told, I said, I'm more interested though in that because then you, some of you will see my wife now. She's, oh, she's defined. Some people at work, they tell me, oh, your wife is hot. I said, you don't know anything. When God said, when God said I should marry her, she was not like this. So <laughs> it was not like this. If you had seen her to you would not agree, okay? So, But the point is that God will not override your will. So she had to go and pray her own prayer, right? And get her own word. And God told her that his ways are more than our ways. His thoughts are far. But we gave her a scripture for it. Scripture is the basis of everything. Gave her a word and said, whatever you are doing, leave it alone. This is the person that I have, that I have assigned you to, right? And it, it took a long time. It was I mean, we didn't even talk to each other for like three months after that. Right. She will tell you the story better because me, I don't have my dates, my sense of dates. They are very <laughs> it's very skewed. Right. She will tell you the story better someday. You know, but the point of it is that she had to go get her own word. God had to talk to her on her own. And then she came back after many waters have passed. After I if I during that period, the girl that I was now looking at, even now Cuckoo broke up with me completely. I said she's not even doing it again. So when she came back and said she had prayed and blah, blah, blah. I was just like. See all this while So it's after a period of time that I now began to understand what God was doing. And things started coming together. But it doesn't always work out that way. There were people, let me tell you, there were people that came and told me that God said. And I said, no, God did not say. Because two of us cannot be hearing, you know, there's only one God. Aha, so if he spoke to me, he has to speak to you too. So sometimes we are, too, we are proud that we heard God. But you have to, we have to see that you actually heard God. Aha, but that somebody said no to you does not mean you didn't hear God. Does not me because God will still allow the person to choose by themselves. It is their own will. So if God has given you a word, just to answer your question directly, if God has given you a word concerning somebody and the person has moved on with their life, you too, move on with your life. Move on. Don't wait and be saying, God gave me a word. No, sir. God gave you a word, correct, but he is expecting that all of you huh, are in agreement. You will come to him and find out. If that, and if you do go to God, he will tell you. But sometimes we go to God with an idol in our hearts. So it will answer us according to that idol. Like me, when I was praying my own, I was, there was a girl that I was looking at in the church and saying, God, this is the one. And God said, no, that one is the one. And I'm saying, no, this one that I'm seeing is the one that me I like, <laughs> you know? you know. But now you look, you see pictures on Instagram. You have to unfollow a lot of people because you see the pictures on Instagram and you just be like, God, thank you for, for saving my soul. Thank you <laughs> for redeeming me. <laughs> for not allowing me to enter the bush. <laughs> You know, and you just be thanking God, you know, but God knows what he's doing. It's not like, and again, you know, I, I'm just saying this as a joke, but you need to understand that God is not a, you know, uh, that, that you and somebody did not work out does not mean that person is bad. Uh-huh. The person that you are looking at and saying, God, thank you. Somebody else is looking at the person and saying, wow, wow. Uh-huh. So they are, we are all, you know, God, you know what I'm talking about, so let me not talk too much. Uh-huh. So it's not, it doesn't mean that the person is bad or evil or whatever, it's just that that person wasn't right for you. And you will see it in the process of time. You will see that this person was not right. So, it takes three people when it comes to the issue of marriage. There is no one person that you are supposed to marry in this life. It's not this issue of soulmate. It's another issue that I have a big problem with. Uh, Go and look for your soulmate. No, 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 no. no. There's nothing like that. It does not exist. Uh What the Bible teaches us is that we should not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So, you cannot marry outside the family of God. That's what God said. But in the family of God, you now have to look and look at the people that you are, you are most compatible with. Like the people that, for instance, after I got close to Dockers, was when I started doing some things. That was when I started praying like a mad person. Before then, my prayer was just, you know, I mean, the first time I was, I was leading a campus fellowship then. And, you know, one day I just, as we were talking, me and Docker's, I just mistakenly mentioned to her that, you know what, I'm tired of all the testimonies because they used to have testimony time in the fellowship. And when they do, that's part of why I don't like testimony time because when they come and they share their testimony ah, you just be like God, it is well you know, it's it's not because those are not good testimonies Like people come and say, last week I came to the fellowship, I had a big stomach ache but when Pastor Shane was ministering and he prayed, the stomach pain disappeared ah, I would look like this and say God Thank you for healing the stomach pain, but this is not what we want to hear. <laughs> you know, like, these are not <laughs> real serious issues. You know, people say, ah, I had headache when I came because of the lecture that we just finished. I had serious headache. But when I came to fellowship, my headache disappeared. Ah. So I told her, I said, I'm not happy with all these testimonies, you know, that people just come and be sharing stomach pain and headache. That I want real testimonies, serious testimonies. She said, eh, start praying all night. Ah. I said, what do you mean by praying all night? She said, pray all night from 6 p.m., start praying pray till 6 a.m. in the morning, then go to bed and see whether miracles will not happen in your fellowship. Ah, I said, pray all night. You do that? She said, yes. But whenever I want something serious, if, you know, I want something that is very important to me, that's what I do. Ah, I looked at her I said, I've made a mistake in my life. <laughs> pray all night. What's wrong with this girl? What do you mean by pray all night? <laughs> so I decided to take it up as a challenge. I decided, I said, okay, if this girl is praying all night and I want to marry her, I have to wake up (laughs) because I cannot marry somebody that can pray all night and me, one hour. Then, if I pray 20 minutes or 30 minutes, I feel like I've achieved something. (laughs) I feel like, yes, you know. So I I decided to take it up. When I first started, it wasn't like I just, you would just go there. You know, to be a light, come and say, oh, the first time I tried it, I just prayed all night. you You are deceiving yourself. I will pray. Sometimes I will pray like this. One hour, I'll be like, oh, God, help me. Deliver me from this. Sometimes I'll take CDs, you know. Pastor Chris had a CD then that just came out. Atmosphere for Miracle CD. I'll put it. When I'm tired, I'll play the CD. I'll worship, 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 worship. And I will start again. Then I started writing. Now, that's when I started this uh, thing of writing people's names, you know, which I still do up to today. So all of you that are here, I pray for you by your name. I, will write, I have everybody's name listed in my prayer book. I will pray for them one after the other. So that's, it was in fellowship I started. I said, how am I going to stay all night praying? Something has to be a reason why I'm up. So I, I wrote everybody's names and the requests. So when I have conversations with people and they tell me something going on in their life, I'll write it there. That this person, this is what they need. I'm praying for them. Some people, I had pictures of them on a page. I'll put their picture here. You know, Like a lady that was believing God for her leg, was wasn't, I, would, I would put a picture there and I will pray over her. So that's what I used to do. And by the time I started doing that, I realized that time was not even an issue anymore. Time was not an issue because by the time I'm, I'm, I'm looking, if I, I look at my book, i like, be like, ah, oh boy, you still have a long way to go. So I'm just praying. I'm just praying. I'll pray. And then when I finish that, I'll worship again and I'll do. That's how I started doing that. I, I will pray all night from 6 to 6 in the morning and then I'll go. When we started hearing testimonies in fellowship then, was in fact how it started was one day after I started that behavior people didn't know that that's what I was doing so sometimes in class you see me like nodding off because I haven't slept you know but the first time that I came to school there was one morning I came to school and I was at the gate the gate man because I had been praying all night I just had my bath and came to school for a 7 a.m lecture and I was entering into the school the gate man at the gate was students were just entering school. You know, everywhere was still busy. Everybody, everybody can see what was happening. And the gate man came to greet me, just the way they normally greet me. Like, ah, pastor, you know, how are you? And he shook my hand. The man tumbled. Like, he shook my hand like this. And it was like electricity entered his body. He shook like, and fell down. Ah, everybody looked and said, hey, this guy. <laughs> that's why they started becoming afraid of me. That, ah, this guy, <laughs> you know. So that's when I realized that, okay, there is a connection there's a connection. It's not a joke. That's when, after that, I will come to fellowship, call out people, pray for them. Before you even touch them, everybody has stumbled. So I knew that, ah, what this girl is saying is correct. There is a connection between these things. Then we started hearing testimonies of two more, or people who will be in fellowship. Are, somebody will be at home with two more and two more will disappear. That's when we started hearing serious testimonies. So when I realized that, ah, you know, this thing, there's there actually a connection. So sometimes God will, will lead you to people for, for some of those reasons. And why I share that story with you is that, the two of you that God is going to bring together have to be thinking in the same way. You cannot be, you know, somebody that you want to marry somebody and the person, the day you say, like when she told me and nah, I pray all night, if at that point I was not ready to take up that, that level of challenge, there would have been a problem. I would have said, ah, pray all night, okay, God will be with you, <laughs> I will see you later. <laughs> you know, and that would have been the end of it. So, your spiritual level has to be the same. When you know that somebody is asking you, why do you go to church so much? Ah, Can't you just go once in a week? Why do you have to go to church why do you have to go to church uh, in a month? Why do you have to go to church four times in a month? Are you the pastor? You know, when, when they start talking to you like that, you know that you are not on the same level in spiritual things. So even though the person might be a Christian as well, there has to be some level of, you know, agreement for this to actually work, okay? All right, and then let me just touch on this. See, when you cannot do the needful, like like this person said, if you know that you are not you are not able to practice the. We'll end with this one. Okay, this is the last one that I'll take. When you know that you cannot, you cannot practice the principles correctly. Please see, it's just like when you you say, um, I have I have um, a medical issue. It is either you are you are trusting God, or you are taking medicine, or you are doing the two. You cannot tell me that you are trusting God but you are not confessing the word. It's just like what I told you now that I'm believing God for the number of people that will show up in this church. If I'm not actually confessing the word, you can know it, but if I'm not doing it, don't deceive yourself that you will get the results. So if you, can, if you don't have the time to do what's necessary, just go the other way. Go the other way. Go and take your medicine, right? You know that you, you are not praying, you are not reading your Bible, you are not confessing on healing, you're not doing anything. There was a lady, you know, that, that told me that she had, you know, she had an issue, a very major health issue. And I told her, I said, what do you want? Do you want a miracle or do you want an oppression? She said, miracle. Uh-huh. So, I, I sent her healing scriptures. I have them, you know, in PDF. I have them in audio, in any format that you want. All the healing scriptures in the Bible, I have them. So, I sent it to her. I sent healing scriptures. I bought the book on divine healing, sent it to her, did everything. After two weeks, I asked. Alpha, ah, she said, I've not even had time to listen to it. I said, go and do your operation. I told her, go and do your operation because you are wasting your time. Uh It's either you you take this thing seriously or you just go and and she went for the operation and she was fine. So there's nothing wrong. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's nothing wrong with going, if you know that the way of, you know, believe God for your spouse or whatever is too hard for you. It's not what you want to do. Go to, you know, where you know that singles usually go. Maybe there's a single summit or something. Go there and find the person that you are attracted to. Marry them and move on with your life. I'm telling you. So don't, don't say you are believing God and you don't have time to do what you need to do. You are wasting your time. It's dangerous. It's a dangerous combination. So don't do that. Don't say, you know, it's either you are in or you are out. There's no middle point. And there's nothing wrong, let me stress it again, there's nothing wrong with you finding a, the Bible says he that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. There's nothing wrong with you finding a wife and God did not speak to you. There's nothing wrong with that. As long as this person is of the family of God, he's not an unbeliever, and you are compatible to an extent. Uh-huh. that's why I wrote um, a love code if you don't have it, write to us we will send it to you, it's free it's not money, we'll send, I will send it to you free of charge post it by myself it is a checklist, so you read all the things that you know, compatibility you know, connection, communication you read all those things and you decide what is the level that we are on this at least you should be more than halfway of all of those things and then you can make your decision it's a decision that God allows you to make he, does, he will not force his will on you okay? So I hope with these few points of mine. Still have like three questions here, but time is up for today. I spent more energy answering questions than even preaching. It is well, but I hope you were blessed by that because this is this this is the thing. You can be preaching and just be preaching your own, but the question that people have are other things <laughs> that you don't know. You are just preaching your own, but they have issues that they are dealing with. So that's why it's important to ask questions, and we can you know we can we can treat them. Maybe some other time I'll have time to get to some of the other ones, but. God bless you. Everybody that sent in questions, thank you for, for doing that. I hope you are blessed. If you are watching at home, you know, you can share this with someone. If you know people that, you know that some of the things we answered are very pertinent to them, that they are the, the issues they are having at the moment, send, send this to them and let them also watch and be a part of it. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word that has come through in the, in the form of these questions that we have answered and we have looked into your word. We ask by the power of your Spirit that you establish us in this truth and indeed do the righteousness in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Believer's House. We hope you've been blessed. Please visit us at www.believershouse.church for more information about our church or to send us your questions, comments, and feedback. We hope to see you again soon.